be here with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer and then get started with worship. Lord, I thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we tell you will continue to do. We just ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. And come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Oh, sing all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, oh, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him.
Everybody take a second, turn around and say hello to somebody. Welcome. To, if you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you. Fill it out and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. Help us give Christmas to needy families this year. 
pick up a list of suggestions, or just buy a gift or two. Bring them back, unwrapped, and we will give them out to people at our help center. You can bring wrapping paper also so they can wrap their gifts. Thanks for helping. New Vine Kids Christmas program will be Sunday, December 17th at 6 p.m. Come enjoy their Christmas songs and support the kids. Don't forget our annual Christmas Eve offering for Ethiopia. This year, you can also visit the Ethiopia table and buy some authentic Ethiopian products for a donation that will also go towards the offering. Help us support our ministries and friends in Ethiopia. We will have three Christmas Eve services this year. Sunday morning will be regular Sunday service with Kids Ministry at 10.30 a.m. Special Christmas Eve services will be at 5.30 and 10.30 p.m. That service will only last around 30 minutes and you can wear your pajamas. See you on Christmas Eve as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. All right. I was trying to catch one of the church mice up here, but he escaped. He's not there. He went out back to play. Right? We've been fighting mice all week and uh, sort of winning. Yeah, almost winning. So anyway, um, if you're guests, thanks for coming and hanging out with us today. Um, if you didn't get a chance to grab one of these things for toys, grab one on the way out. Go buy toys. Don't wrap them. Bring them back here. We have about 100 and. 26 children that we're helping at a free store, and as I always say, the kids never know it's from us. We've never blown our cover, so this place will be set up like a store, and families will come in and pick different items for their kids, so thank you for doing that, all right? Um, where is, is, where, is Ken here? No, we prayed for him in the first service. Okay, uh, Ken, uh, uh, mother passed away this week, right? Was it this week? So we want, we want to say a prayer for him and also pray for the offering. Is that okay? It's not okay. I don't know. Better not say what I'm going to say. Let me say a prayer. So, God, I pray for Ken. I pray for his family, Lord, uh, over the loss of his mom. I pray that you would just uh, give him your comfort and give him your peace. Lord, we know that you're good. So, Lord, just bless them through this hard time and give them your grace. So, God, I also ask you to bless the offering. Thank you for this time of year that reminds us of what you gave to us. So use these gifts, God, just to help us spread your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, good morning. How we doing? You guys all right? Good. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And we are now moving into the Advent season. And so, for thousands of years, the, the church has celebrated seasons or moved through cycles throughout the throughout the year. And you have... You have the season of Lent, which is leading up into to Easter, and then you have uh, around Christmas time you have Advent, and Advent uh, means revealing or coming. And the reason why we do this every year, the reason why this is part of the the great tradition, is because Advent is learning how to prepare our hearts. So that Jesus can be birthed anew in our lives. And so every year we, we go back to these same stories and we contemplate on them and reflect on them and think about them and, and try to make the connection between their world and our world. And for thousands of years, Christians have lit candles during this season representing kind of the four, the four themes of Advent, and uh, the themes being hope, peace, joy, and love. And so today we, we light the candle of hope. Now, it's always a little sketchy because my hands shake terribly, and I always feel like a fool. So I'm going to hold it with two hands, and we did it. Good job. So great. Good job, Mark. Proud of you. And so we light the candle of hope. And with that being said, let's take a few moments simply to to open our hearts and our minds to God. And, and I always like to start off with a little bit of silence. And so let's just take a moment and and reflect on, on hope and uh, just invite God to, to be with us. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and that you just meet us here. Uh, in this moment. Father, we thank you for this morning. We uh, we thank you that we can come and we can gather as we move into this Advent Christmas season. And so we ask that you just be with us as we just open up these texts and reflect on what they mean for our lives. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just come, that you just bless our time. In Jesus' name, everybody said... It's hard to do a silent prayer when it sounds like a kid escaped from the kids' ministry, right? <laughs> like you got loose and... 
Today we're going to look at a story from Luke, and it is the story about the parents of John the Baptist. And we're going to reflect on on hope and how they were people of hope. Good? Sound good? Yeah? All right, let's go. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 25, it says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But, and that's a big but here, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both, they were both very old. And so Luke does something terribly interesting here right at the very beginning of the story that we could easily just glance over. He tells us that Elizabeth and Zechariah are righteous in the sight of God, meaning that they live in right relationship with God and live in right relationship with their, their fellow Israelites, their fellow man, and that they both observe the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And so they're really good people, right? Does that make sense? And... With this belief system that the ancient Jewish people had, is that when you lived in right relationship with God, God would do what? God would bless your life. Does that make sense, right? And yet, they're unable to have children, which in the Jewish mind is the ultimate blessing and the ultimate fulfillment of doing the things that God had called these people to do. Because the first commandment, you guys remember the first commandment in the Bible? Anybody know what it is? Anybody want to take a guess? Huh? To be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. And so one of the ultimate blessings within the, the mind of the Jewish people was to have children. And Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're living like this perfect life, and yet they can't have kids. Which, if you live in a small little town where people talk to each other and maybe sometimes gossip, I know it's hard for us to, like, get that. You, right? Living in a small town where people gossip. But you guys, happen to you? Nah. The thing about living in a small town where people gossip and you're living, gossip and, and you're living in right relationship with God and yet you can't have kids, people start to talk. Apparently, they're not actually as good as they try to make themselves out to be. Does that make sense? And so there, Elizabeth would have had a ton of shame. She would have carried a ton of shame around because For years they've been trying to have children and yet they can't. And so Luke throws that detail in there. That they're righteous, that they follow God blamelessly and yet they're unable to have children. And so, continuing in verse 8, it says this, that once Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God and he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all of the assembly were worshipers were praying outside. 
It says that then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drinks. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. By the way, Zechariah, he does this, he navigates this really well, right? He's like, hey, I'm an old man. And, and Elizabeth, she's coming along as well. She's, you know, he could have said she was an old, you know, but he doesn't. He's a smart dude. It then says that the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And so you have this old couple. For years, they have been waiting to have a child. And for years, no answer. No answer. And, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, like, I don't, you guys, you guys like to wait? Like, I hate Waiting. Anybody hate waiting? Could you imagine just praying the same prayer for years and years and years and no answer, no nothing? And it, it raises this question for me. Like, how do we, how do we learn to wait? Like, cause I hate it. Friday morning, I, it was the first, right? December 1st, Friday morning. And that's the day that we have to pay our house payment. So I got up and uh, was on my computer because I got to go to a website to do my house payment. And uh, so I get on the website and I they've updated the website again because they update it every month, it seems like. And so I, I type in my password, but now they want like a second verification. So they send me a text message to my phone with the code that I have to type in. And so I type it in and then... It logs me or it sends me back to the home screen. And so then I type in my password again and it sends me to another site. But now it's like 
because they've updated the website, they have to let me, re- I have to put my bank account stuff back in, right? You guys do this? I gotta find the routing number to my bank account and the, the account number and then I get into the next page and it won't, it doesn't seem to want to come up on my screen because apparently this new website doesn't, isn't compatible with something on my computer. And a, a thing that should have taken five minutes has now taken 20 minutes. And now I have to take Annabelle to school. So not only am I, I can't finish doing this, but now I have to delay it because I gotta take her to school. And so I've got to get up and go to school. And, you know, that's a blast, right? You guys, you guys have to get teenagers up for school. It's the best. Not, right? And, but she does have a new hack though. She's getting a little faster. Her new hack is I'm going to sleep in the clothes that I wear tomorrow. That's the new hack, by the way. If you guys were wondering how to get ready faster, just wear, just go to bed in what you're going to wear tomorrow and you'll be fine. Unless you have to wear suits and ties to work. She just, you know, they're, right now the style is sweatpants and, and hoodies. So it works for her. But take her to school, come back, have to get back on the computer and it's logged me out. So now I have to go through the entire process again. And I'm just like, just right. I hate it. I hate having to wait. Something that should be simple and done took me almost an hour to do, right? But it's not just that. Because that's kind of like, who cares, Mark? Quit being a baby. Sometimes it's big things, too. Sometimes it's things that you've wanted for years. And and it's interesting how waiting works, because... Regardless of how long you have to wait, it doesn't seem to matter because it's it's all miserable. Whether it's several months or maybe it's only an hour, depending on the circumstance of the waiting, like it can be terrible. Like when when Annabelle was born, she had clubfoot, and we had to go through a number of procedures and and, and treatments for her and. Um, they had, she had these braces that she would have to wear and we would put her, we would hold her down and fight her and she would kick us in the face and we'd put the braces on her legs and then we'd put her in her crib and she would just take the braces and kick the wooden crib for hours and I'd be like, gosh, she's nuts. Little did we know, but. <laughs> and eventually she had to have a surgery. And so we take her to the hospital for the surgery, and it's going to be very easy, standard, like no big deal. You don't have to worry. But I remember them taking her back to to the operating room, and we walked with her as far as we could, and then we had to go back to the waiting room, right? So we go back to the waiting room, and... I remember my my in-laws being in there, my parents, and I couldn't even face them. And I I just, like, bypassed the waiting room and went to the restroom and sat in the stall and just, I broke down. And I only had to wait an hour. And it was going to be easy surgery. But that hour felt 
like an eternity. Why? I, I would guess, and this is my guess, the, the problem with waiting is it's, this the re, it's all of a sudden waking up to the reality that we're not in control. Right? Because as a dad of a daughter, you want to be there to protect your child. You want to be there to fix things for your child. You want to have all the answers. And yet there was this moment where I realized, like, I, daddy can't fix anything right now. And it was scary, right? And so what's interesting about waiting is whether we have to wait for years or maybe just a half an hour, what we're bumping into is the reality that we aren't in control. That most of the time, life and control is an illusion. We think that we're in control, and maybe we are to some extent to the, the, the minor things in our life. But to the things that are important, oftentimes we have no control. And so maybe for you it's not your house payment. Maybe for you it's something else. What are the things that you're waiting on? And, and how do we learn to be people who wait with hope? Maybe it's, maybe it's a situation at your work, like it's just, you have to go to this place every day and you thought it was good, there was going to be changes and there are no changes taking place and you don't know how much longer you can hold on. And it's just like, gosh, I wish these people would get it together. And they don't. Or maybe it's a relationship, somebody that you love. And they just keep making the wrong decisions. And they, they just, they don't seem to want to figure it out. And you don't know how much longer you can do it. And you pray about it, and you think about it, and you're doing your best. But you don't have an answer. And you don't know if there's an answer any time soon. Or, you know, it just could be a number of things. Maybe it's just where you're at in life. Like, you know, like I thought I would have been further along by now. And when are things going to change for us? And we've been waiting, and we've been trying to be faithful, but I don't know. And it just seems nuts. The reality is is that we're probably all in this boat to some extent, all waiting for something. And so it raises this question for me. If we're, as Christians, we're called to be a people of hope, how do we learn to wait with hope? Which leads us back to this text. It says that once when Zechariah's division was on duty, And he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. Now, this is interesting. Within the Jewish religion, you would have had a number of families that were part of the the priestly division. And they would have lived around Jerusalem and and they would have taken turns. Okay, your your clan is up to go and to represent uh, the people to God in the temple. And so you would have these chant, you would have these groups of families that were these priestly families that would go and then work at the temple for a week or for a month. And so right now is Zachariah's family's turn. And so they all go. And I imagine probably dad, dad pointed out to me that he, probably the whole village would have gone 
to Jerusalem during the week or the month that the priesthood would be serving. And so Zechariah's family is in Jerusalem to serve at the temple. And it says that he's chosen by lot. Now, what does that mean? It's like this. Hey, guys, pick a number between 1 and 10. Zechariah's like, uh, 4? And the guy's like, yeah, that's my favorite number. It's your turn to go in. I thought that'd be much funnier than you guys <laughs> responded. It's all good. By the way, if I ever say pick a number between 1 and 10, I always choose 4. So, a little, little hack for you. So, I imagine that Zachariah, this is great, like, is he's probably excited about this. And yet, at the same time, I imagine that he's nervous about this, right? He's excited because, hey, he gets to, he's going to go into the holy place and to pray before God on behalf of his people. And yet, eh, this is heavy. This is heavy, heavy stuff. And to go into the presence of God like this, eh, what if I don't do it right? What if I say the prayer wrong? What if I have sins that I forgot to confess and then God strikes me down? So I imagine that he's a little bit nervous about this as well. And so Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God. And he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. For years he's been praying for a child. For years him and his wife have been faithful. And yet there's been no answer. But notice what he does. Or notice the reality of this. He's trusting, he's been trusting in God. And if we're going to be the types of people who wait with hope, we have to faithfully trust in God's timing. Because for him, it just seems like chance. To say, hey, it's our time to go. He's chosen by a lot. It just seems very random to him. And yet... God's timing was perfect. Several years ago, 2000, at the very end of 2019, um, Amber's boss was getting to a place where he was thinking about retiring and he had built this business from the ground up and he didn't want to just sell it off to anybody. And so um, he thought that Amber was a great candidate, when, and she was or is, to take over the business. And so we began the process of trying to get a, a business loan to buy uh, Amber's business, or Am- where Amber works. And everything was going good at first. It seemed like it was going to go through. And then we just started running into these, like, obstacles. And dumb obstacles, too, like the loan officer forgot to submit something and fumbled the ball, and now we got to redo this whole other thing. And it just kept getting, like... We, we, th- we were thinking it was going to go through and then there would be a no and then oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. And, and it finally got to the place where we were talking to the guy who we were working with at the bank and he said, listen, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. We're not doing loans right now. We just got a, like a message, like we're not doing loans. And then we moved right into 2020 and the whole, Shut down, lockdown, whatever it was called. And you guys remember, they shut the entire country down. 
Now, leading up to this, we couldn't figure it out. Like, God, why, why is this so hard? Why isn't this paperwork not going through? Why, God, you know this will change our lives. Like, to be able to have a business and maybe we'll actually have money one day. And, and like, in our head, man, like, this is it. This is our break. This is going to change everything for us. And yet, it was just seemed to be no after no, door shut after door shut. In hindsight, reflecting on it, it was a miracle in disguise. Because we didn't have the capital to be able to keep that thing afloat as the entire country was shut down for how long ever it was, a year or two years. And so for us, God stopped a bad thing from happening. And what I've learned over the years is that if we're going to be the types of people who learn to wait in a hopeful way, then we have to learn to trust God in his timing. And God's timeline is often not, it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't seem to match up with mine. Right? It's, and, and, and sometimes God's answers are no. Sometimes God's answers are yes. And sometimes God's answers are not right now. And I don't know, I can't figure out how it works. You would think I would know being a pastor. I don't have, I'm going to tell you right now, I have no clue how God answering prayer works. I don't have a clue. But the point is simply this. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were faithful through the whole thing. For years they had been praying for a child and for years they've been getting a no. And yet... Luke reminds us that they were blameless and that they loved God and loved people and they continued to serve regardless of the answers. Because I don't know about you, but for me, it's easy just to throw in the towel. Oh, it's almost like I'm a two-year-old. Anybody like Christian two-year-olds? God doesn't give you what you prayed for and so you pout. Like, "Ah, God, right? And you don't want to do the things that he wants you to do because you didn't get the answer that you wanted. And, And so it's learning Maybe God knows more than we do. And trusting him in the midst of that. Good? You guys all right? Make sense? We bored yet? Need a commercial? And so it begins by faithfully trusting in God's timing, which then continues. It then says this, that then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. Now what's interesting about this is that the incense represents something. The incense represents the prayers of the people. So I don't know, like, how it worked, but Zechariah, maybe he's outside of the temple before this whole thing starts. He's like, anybody got any prayer requests? And they maybe 
raise their hand and share something and drop incense in the bowl. Like, I don't know how it works. But as he takes this incense into the holy place, as he begins to burn it and to offer it to God, the smoke represents the prayer of the people going to God and so that God can hear these prayers. But what's funny is that the angel says, hey, by the way, your prayer has been heard. And so as Zechariah is in there offering prayers for the people, the angel tells us that his prayer has been heard. And so if we're going to be the types of people that learn to wait with hope, it's also learning that we have to be persistent in prayer. Now, there's a number of different ways to think about praying, but two very simple ways to think about praying is that there, there's prayer where I'm asking God for something to change. There's prayer where I'm asking God, hey, I don't have this and I need it, so can you get it for me? Right? And I imagine that often we probably pray these prayers. Like, hey, God, please, A, B, C, or D. I need you to do this. I don't have an answer. And that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we, and obviously we pray those types of prayers. But I've also observed that there's a deeper way to pray. And, And I would say that there is learning to pray to God to change our circumstances. But a, perhaps a, another way to think about it is learning to pray that God will change me in spite of my circumstances. And, and so if we're going to be the types of people that can wait with hope, then it's learning how to do both. We obviously pray to God to change things. But sometimes he doesn't. And so when he doesn't, what do we need? Well, we need to be changed, right? And so it's learning about transformation. It's like, because I want God to change things. And I want, or sometimes I try to help him out. Anybody try to help God out with, like, especially with people? Like, hey, you need to quit doing that because you're driving everybody crazy and, like, just get it together. And I'll pray, God, please change this person because they're, they're doing this or they're doing that. And yet he doesn't change that. And so what do we do? God, maybe, maybe it's about me. Maybe it's about God change me in the midst of this. God, give me hope. God, give me grace to love this person the way that they are, even though it's driving me nuts. God, give me mercy to share with this person. God, give me a bigger perspective. God, open my eyes to seeing this situation in, a, in the way that you see it, not the way that I see it. And, and so it's learning to be the types of people that not simply ask God to change things, but we also ask God to change us. Jesus models this for us at the very end of his life. He's in the garden after the Last Supper, and he's praying. And he has the cross before him. He has the reality that he's going to be killed. And there's this moment where he's like, 
eh, I don't want to do this. Because who would? Right? I don't I don't want to get I wouldn't want to get killed on a cross. That'd be terrible. And so Jesus is praying in the garden. And he says, Father, if there's any way for you to like pass this cup for me, please do, because I don't want to do this. But if you remember how he ends the prayer, how does he end it? Not my will, but what? Your will be done. And so sometimes it's God remove this from me, which is fine to ask, but it's also God give me the grace and transform me so that I can walk through this if you choose not to change it, right? And so if we're going to be the types of people that learn how to wait with hope, it's also learning to be the types of people who are persistent in prayer, living essentially a life of prayer that brings transformation, which leads us to the next thought. Pass read in my mind. Not only do we learn how to be persistent in prayer, not only do we learn how to trust in God's timing, but we also have to be open to the impossible when it presents itself. Notice the way that Zachariah responds to this news versus the way that his wife Elizabeth responds to this news. In verse 17, the angel describes to Zechariah what this child is going to be and how John's going to have this ministry that he's going to, to walk in the spirit and the power of Elijah. But then notice how John or how Zechariah responds. Very typical male here. He says, how can I be sure of this? Right? How can I have control? And so the angel continues. He says, well, here's the thing, man. Since you asked that question and since you doubted, now you will be silent and not able to speak the next nine months. Now, why would the angel do this? This is interesting. Ever have a dream? Ever have something that you just really wanted to run after? Or you really felt like you were supposed to do it? And you shared it with somebody? And they start laughing at you? Or they're like, who do you think that you are? I'll give you an example. One time me and Amber were negotiating on a car we we're going to buy a car and uh i had done a lot of research on how to negotiate with salesmen and i had this whole plan in my head and was going to try to call his bluff and we get in there and the guy gives us a price and i'm like no nah, that's not good enough and i was ready to get up and act like we were going to walk out and amber just laughs at me and looks at me she's like who do you think that you are and it just squashed this whole plan that I had of negotiating and buying this car, right? Because she doubted me. She doubted my negotiations and abilities. Now she's back there shaking her head. But maybe sometimes you've had something that you wanted to do. This dream or God planted something in your heart that you wanted to do. And you, and you share it with other people. And they come along and they doubt you. Or they, they're naysayers. See, the thing about 
reality is that our words have power. And sometimes our words can be used to help people. Sometimes our words can be used to harm people. And oftentimes the influence of other people can get us off track. And that's what Zachariah is doing here. He's not sure. And so he's doubting. And so the angel recognizes this and he's like, you know what? We're not going to let you mess this thing up. You're going to have to be quiet for the next nine months because I don't want you to plant any seeds of doubt in Elizabeth's head. So he shuts her up. But not only is it true for outside people and influences, but it's also true just simply for ourselves, right? My biggest critic is me. I talk myself out of doing all kinds of things. I'll feel like God wants me to do this or God will want me to do that or I want to do this or that. And then I'm like, nah, you don't want to do that. You're not smart enough to do that. No one's going to take you seriously. And I doubt myself because our words have power. Even within our tradition, this whole thing is in existence. Why? Because, because God spoke and it began to happen. And so our words and the things that we say have power. And so Zechariah, his response is doubt. It's fear. It's control. But notice how Elizabeth responds. It says that when the time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. And for five months remained in, what's it say? Seclusion. And so where Zechariah opens his mouth and begins to doubt, Elizabeth receives this news from God. And instead of doubting or speaking about it, she just holds it close to her heart, contemplates on it, trusts, is open to see if this is actually a possibility. And then as this new life begins to grow within her, how does she respond? She responds with praise. She says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And so if we're going to be the types of people that wait with hope, we can either open our mouths and doubt the things that we feel that God has called us to do, or we can simply carry it in contemplation, meditate on it, Leaning and trusting God's grace. And as we begin to see the thing take birth within us, then we share this good news and praise. Yeah? Now, this raises the question, why does this matter? And I would say this. Uh, why, why would this story about this old couple from 2,000 years ago still matter. Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world with no hope. We live in a world 
with very few answers. We live in a world that I don't know, it seems chaotic to me. We live in a darkness, and it doesn't seem like anybody has the answers, and I don't think there's any help coming, at least not on our end. We live in a hopeless place. And yet, as the church, we have a great responsibility. We have a witness. We are called to be a light in the darkness. We are called to be a hope in a hopeless world. And so as we move into the season of Advent, it's understanding that we are called to be the light. That we are called to be a, a community of hope that leads to joy, that leads to peace, that leads to love. Yeah? Good? You guys done? I'm done. Two questions. What's God saying to you? What are the things that you're waiting on? What are the things that you're praying for? What does it look like to be able to wait with hope? What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? And So we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this. And then we're going to share communion together. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come that you just open our hearts to you in these next few moments. Right, amen. If you have one of these, grab it, take it out. Every week we take part in this reminder that we are welcomed at Jesus' table. And every week we we pray this prayer to recenter our hearts our minds. And so pray this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. He gave it to his disciples and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, We're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And we're reminded as the body of Christ, we are called to take part, to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look to the person next to you, say the body of Christ is broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. All right. Amen. So I'll stand. Grab hands of the person next to you if you like. These two down. Just stack them. Okay, so if you'd like to help, we got to set up some stuff here. So if you'd like to help, we need to stack, stack these chairs, and then we need eight round tables and four rectangular tables rectangular table that's hard to say so if you'd like to help with that we we'd appreciate it so let's pray and get out of here so father we just we thank you for this elizabeth for this zachariah and and the hope that they had And, and may we just open our hearts to that same hope may we be a type of people that that bring light into this world and so we ask holy spirit that you just be with us this week as we go we ask that you just guide us and keep us and in jesus name everybody said Amen. See you guys.